What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Season 2, Episode 6 of Pass Interference is here. We are covering all the sports tonight. We've got the MLB, NHL, NBA, professional football, college football, everything you could want and more. And this episode, this is Season 2, Episode 6 of Pass Interference. What's going on, everybody? Season 2, Episode 6 of Pat's Interference is here. My name is Patrick Norwood. And I'm Patrick Brickman. I hope everyone's doing fantastic on this May of the 18th. It's it's the 19th for me, because you and I have to do these at midnight, because that's our lives right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome again to Pat's Interference. We're so glad you decided to join us. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can find us on face or on Twitter, excuse me, at P-I underscore podcast, or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com, where you can find all of our episodes. Soon our episodes will be back on iTunes. We're sort of working with Apple with that right now, but for right now, just go to patsinterference.com. Got a lot to cover tonight, Patrick. First off, how are you doing? Are I'm you good. Doing well, we we both been busy, very busy. I mean, these, overall, these episodes you're are getting doing well. You're healthy and everything. Yeah, these episodes are getting fewer and farther between. But I'm doing well. It's uh, starting to get a little hot here in the state of Florida, which I guess you know. But Florida, other than that, Florida it's is, it is yeah, it is definitely closer to the equator than anywhere else I've ever lived. So <laughs> it's it's really hot. It rains every day in Orlando in the summer. I don't know if you knew that or not. It rains every single day here. See, we're in the and middle of a drought. We haven't had rain in a little bit. See, it's starting It's starting to get to that point where at 3.30 you'll look outside and sun's shining. It's a beautiful day. 4 o'clock you look outside, it is a monsoon. And then 5 o'clock you look outside and it's sunny again. So oh, the it's old Tuscaloosa just, it, weather. The old Tuscaloosa weather. Speaking of Tuscaloosa, Patrick, some not great news coming out of there. Or I guess Monroe County, Louisiana. Yeah. Cam Robinson and Hootie Jones arrested this past week. Well, I guess this weekend slash beginning of the week, Sunday, Monday. Uh, Cam Robinson, Hootie Jones arrested. Patrick, for those people who don't know, maybe this is news. Maybe they want more clarification. What happened? Just tell us. Just give us the brass tacks. What happened that I've, night uh, they got arrested? I've, I've run a couple stories on this on my sportscasts here. And, and, and basically, from what I understand was, like you said, Monroe County the two guys were sitting in a car in a closed park uh, when a cop smelled weed coming out of the car. He came up. He saw uh, weed on the floorboard. He saw a gun in Hootie Jones' lap. And then on, upon further inspection, he found another gun underneath one of the chairs. So the, the two guys, really Cam Robinson's looking at the worst of the – being the driver of the car. He's looking at the worst charges. He's uh, on top of the possession of, of weed. He's also looking at what could be a felony charge – of illegal um, ownership of a weapon, or not even ownership, just possession of a stolen weapon. So there's a lot to sift through, a lot of opinions flying around on what happened, what didn't happen, what should happen, what shouldn't happen, what these players should do. Should they even play next year? Should they ever play football again? So uh, that's that's the facts of what we know, and then everything else is just kind of playing itself out. I mean, we're only one day removed from it happening. Nick Saban was at a golf tournament today so he was there's there's was. this is not going to be something that that gets this done is, quickly I no say. this is not something that we hear from tomorrow or the day after i don't think especially until Saban finishes this golf tournament um extremely sad to see it's sad to see any player especially a player with the name uh of cam robinson oh yeah it could be devastating i mean this guy is being talked about as a top 10 maybe top five pick he's been, he's started every game since he was a true freshman he was the number one guy coming out of his recruiting class so when you're talking about an nfl team trying to draft for your future if you're investing a top five pick into a guy unless you're looking at you know Jameis winston where you got to have a uh, franchise quarterback and he's sitting there anyone other than that you really need a sparkling clean prospect so this is this is I going to linger However, for the next I can, year for if him. i can present a counterpoint I would like to present that in the name of Laramie Tunsil or Robert Kimdichi, who you and I both know neither of those players have had sparkling prospect resumes, uh, speckled and littered with 
violations, arrests, possession charges, and yet here they are. Now, they definitely hurt their own cases. Yeah, yeah, and they, they went first round, but if we're talking being drafted top five to 13 where Tunsil slid, that's a difference of $13 million, which I know in the life of an NFL player, if you turn into a star, is in a ton. But when you're 21 coming to the NFL, that $13 million, that doesn't – that didn't sit easy. I mean, imagine losing no. $13 million for one mistake you've made. Uh, not any other profession really prevent, presents that like uh, sports does. And, yeah. and and then we we haven't even gotten into, are they even going to play football next year? Oh, so I want to ask you, if you, from what you know, what what do you think is, is, is happening? What do you think will happen? Do you expect to see either of them? From, from what I've heard, Hootie Jones uh, charges and – I guess the punishment fits the crime is a lot, uh, I, I'm not going to say less than Cam Robinson, because I cannot imagine what that conversation with Nick Saban is going to be like. Um, so I'm not going to say it's less, but I think that it's already, I mean, it, it, it's, I don't want to say it's pre-decided, but I, I think we will see Hootie Jones again in a crimson jersey, or at least in a football uniform. I think you're right now, about that. He may transfer. Um, I think Cam Robinson may transfer as well. I don't think Cam Robinson will ever play another down as an Alabama football player. Really? You're I don't. going that far? I do. I, I am. Um, I, I just – I don't see – now, obviously, all the facts haven't been released, so we, we don't know everything to this point. But if you're asking me do I think we see him again – no. No. You know how Saban deals with this no-nonsense stuff. I we'll mean, see, it, and it, I, I'll actually want to present that. From what he said today at the golf tournament um, – he spoke on Feinbaum. He did all that. It was a lot of the uh, stuff that you've heard him say a lot about. He's he's big into second chances. He handles right. these things internally. He uh, they're 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 um you know do you want to release a guy like this from your program or is your program the right place for a guy like this to be? Not to mention the fact that this is a first time offense. Uh, here, I, I think I can lay it out pretty simply on, on the way mindset my mindset's working for it. So you got Cam Robinson. And he's the one I'm going to focus on because really Hootie Jones is in much less trouble right now. But you got Cam Robinson, um, never been in trouble before, and you got this uh, felony charge. So if the felony sticks, he's in jail, and that's easy. Dude's in jail. When you go to jail, you don't really play football. I mean, that's simple. Now, a lot of people think that that will go down because he's a first-time offender. Um, you know, you're hearing stories. He didn't know the gun was stolen and all those facts will sort themselves out. So say the, if the felony sticks, yeah, he's gone. If it doesn't, then you're looking at a misdemeanor and some weed. You don't kick guys off for weed, not in this day and age in college football. And so you got a, at that point you're looking at a suspension. You don't kick the guy off because he technically doesn't have a felony. Well, and it's like I said, we don't know everything. But it's, if this felony sticks, he's gone. I'm say, sorry, yeah. but you can't say, keep a guy on your football team that has a felony. Well, no, no team would. And Saban's track record isn't kicking guys for these kind of offenses off. Um, the guys he's kept are the ones where he really feels like he can help and help make into a better guy and thinks his program, his system is better for them than throwing them out with the bathwater. But the guys he's kicked off, that in my memory, are the ones that have actually harmed other people remember taylor from last year the guy we took in from georgia he got kicked off at georgia for hitting his girl and then we took him in already bad press and he got in trouble with the same kind of thing again that didn't stick but nick saban said enough is enough i've given you a second chance and you for some reason can't stay out of trouble this way and then you go back a couple years to uh brent calloway and those fools for beating up the kid on campus and just like wow i forgot about that that. those are the kind of guys he kicks off so I think it really just does come down to if the felony sticks and it's going to be bad press all season long and through his whole college career into the early years of his NFL career. But I, if the felony falls, the, the worst I can see for him is a four-game suspension. Man, it, it, it would be – I'm just – I'm not sure that four games is enough even if this felony doesn't stick. I'm it's sorry. Like, yeah, it's it's just at that point I, it's you're looking at stupid. It, yeah. The only reason the, the only way the felony sticks is if he stole the gun or he knew the gun was stolen. Those are the two things that will have it stay. It's just like we said, it's just going to take a lot of time. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Saban's going to think it's worth it, honestly. With all the time it's going to take, you know how Saban likes this is the time when Saban likes to move. He likes to start molding his team 
pretty much as soon as the spring semester ends, summer starts, they start getting into workouts, and he's ready to get hit the ground running. And I'm not sure he's going to want to spend all this time dealing with this when he could just be prepping the backup guy. At the same time, I don't think he wants to kick off the best player on his offense. I'm just going to say it. No, you don't. I don't think any coach does, and I don't know that Nick Saban is, has reached a, a form of sainthood where I think it's above him to keep him. I love Saban, but, I mean, he, he's competitive. No, I, I, I agree with you, and I understand that. He's going to be as that, hesitant as any other coach I know to, to not this is kick what off I'm saying. what might it's be like, the best player on our team. How long is this process going to take, though, Patrick? To the point where we figure out, oh, well, I didn't know it was stolen, or oh, well, proof that I knew it was stolen. And then we go through that whole rigmarole. And then he goes to court. And then he goes, it's, it's just, it's this huge. We'll know if he's charged with a felony thing. by the time fall practice rolls around. If he's charged with a felony, he's gone. If he's not, then he can do the whole court thing. But at that point, he's charged with a felony, he's doing the whole court thing, and he's off the team. Yeah. I, I think Alabama just needs to proceed that he is. With the mindset that he is off the team. For right oh, now, he's, I he's think an that's idiot. He's an idiot. I don't know if he's a thug, but he's an idiot. And I'll have a weird feeling in my stomach all year seeing him next year if he's on the team. But yeah. I'm actually leaning more toward I think he stays. I guess only time will tell. I would love to see him again in a crimson jersey. Uh, but honestly, Patrick, I won't be too incredibly beat up if I don't. No, because if, you know, if you've got a criminal on your team, you don't really lament the loss of a criminal you would rather see them stay and, and really improve their behavior and learn from the experience but some guys are beyond that some guys are criminals and when you reach a level you don't get to stay on football teams with your actions right right let's move on uh you and i have had a tough couple weeks as far as sports are concerned Last outside Thursday of alabama was football. rough man oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it, it absolutely was my sweet sweet nashville predators losing game seven the San Jose Sharks, I wish them the best of luck. A lot of respect for that hockey team. Uh, they play hard. Uh, they play gritty. They play a lot like my Predators do. Wish them a lot of luck. Your Spurs Oof. lost. Ugh. Rough one. Rough that was one. a rough that series. Had, I'm going to go in on that series. In the that had some further implications as far as players leaving and everything as well. Uh, I know that the Predators are a little bit more stable with their players that are staying and going and the players that are leaving we kind of figured would leave and all that go ahead get into the spurs i'm going to give you i'm going to give you three to five good minutes to just get this this is your grown man cry just grown man cry on the air right now let's do it we'll see if it takes that long all right i'm not the guy that's going to get on here and complain about the refs this was a six game series where three of the games were decided by a uh a call that the ref made. Two of them were blowouts, and one of them was a clean-played game. So three games in a six-game series, the refs had to come back the next day and go, oh, guys, we messed up. And there has been way too much of that in the NBA. That would be a sound-off, but I'm doing it now. It is it is a complete and utter disgrace. How We got one just the other night. They missed a blatant Russell Westbrook travel in what ended up being a three-point game. It's just out of control and all of them went against the Spurs in this series and in, in game two you had the the Dion Waiters pushing Manu and game five you had the uh, Russell Westbrook not fouled then was fouled on a gimme layup it was it's just been a mess but at the same time I don't think the Spurs were going to win that series regardless and all they won 67 games this year there's the best in franchise history but that we've had a good little rivalry with the Thunder the Thunder are the team that matches up, that the Spurs match up the worst with. Because when you think of the Spurs, you think of, especially this season, a defensive-minded team, um, more little slow-paced basketball, um, and the Thunder are just athletic and young. They're the most athletic team in the league by a wide margin, where the Spurs are older. Uh, their stars are older. Most of their stars are in their 30s, with the exception of Kawhi Leonard, who's 25, 24. Right. Um so what we saw was just, we saw Durant and Westbrook do their thing. Nobody on the Spurs can guard them. Nobody in the league can guard them. Um, then Steven Adams and Ennis Cantor, the two big men down below, no answer. Tim Duncan, 40 years old, too slow to stop him. Uh, and he played awful in the series. And then you had, um, they put in Boban in game six. He's way too slow. If you think Duncan's slow, he's even slower. It's just... Right. They just got killed on the boards, and they got killed in that final game six. And it's, you know, they've played, was their third or fourth series together. I think the Spurs and Thunder have split them. 
And, um, you know, it'll be interesting. Well, I think on our docket we have where do both teams go from here, so I'll wait to kind of discuss that in a second. But it's just uh, they ran into a buzzsaw, a team that, that was uh, – and also when you play def- – we, we learned how hard it is for a defensive-minded team to win in the NBA playoffs because the team is so geared toward offense. The calls go the right. offense's way, which is the exact opposite of what it was during Jordan's era. Um, which I would contend, and I want to discuss this with you. We were talking about it at work today. I would contend that late 80s to late 90s basketball was the best era in basketball history. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of people look at it and glamorize it that way, and I, I think it was now, a I think better. It, the... I think it's getting back to that way with all the names you've got today, but I think when you just think about, and maybe it's just the fact that you and I were kids and that's what we grew up with, but like the NBA on NBC, that time period was the the greatest, in my opinion. I'm sorry, that's that's me interjecting with a random thought, but please keep going. Well, no, I think you're onto something there. It just depends. The brands of basketball are completely different. The players were paid a lot less back then, with the exception of the really with the exception of of Bird, Johnson, and Jordan. I mean, like even even players like Patrick Ewing were still fighting for what was theirs. In today's NBA, you don't have to do that. You just make your max contract, and you can have three guys on the team with one of those. You couldn't have three guys with a max contract back then. You had to fight for what was yours. Plus, the stars back then um, were mostly big men. You had Jordan, of course, but they were mostly big men because you had Barkley and Ewing and, and Elijah Wan. And it was, today, it's most of the stars are swing men. I really, we don't have... We don't have a single league-demanding center in today's game. The closest right now is DeMarcus Cousins. A couple years ago was Dwight Howard. But there's no – I mean, it is dominated by Curry. It is dominated by guys like James Harden, but guys like Russell Westbrook. And then even the the taller guys are swing men like LeBron. Well, LeBron's whatever he wants to be, but you know what I mean. LeBron's a swing man. Durant's a swing man. It's just the way the game works now. So I prefer – the old game. I like threes. They're fun, but I don't want to see foul calls because the guy's pinky hit the dude's elbow. Yeah. No, it's I agree. Just... I agree. Get back to your Spurs, though. I'm sorry. I interjected. Well, Get back to your Spurs. I, I think I've said all there really was there. It was just they, they ran into a, a more athletic, faster team that found momentum at this time of the season and uh, mixed that with the bad officiating and the you know, Spurs got out coached here and there, and, and some of the later games, and then there you go. It's, it's a team that was playing with a lot of confidence versus a team that really had. I mean, the Spurs' offense was atrocious. Like, I'm not. Tr- I don't want to sit here and make excuses because, yeah, the the calls were bad, but the Spurs also thoroughly got outplayed in probably 70% of the series. So, right. It's you know, I was looking forward to next year. There's gonna be a lot of change. We'll get into those in a minute. I want you to take your preds. I want you to tell me about them. I, I'm going to start because you know me. My big thing this year especially is positivity. So here we go. The Nashville Predators this year were not a good hockey team. Notice how I said were. They were, the beginning of the season, it was a dumpster fire. Um, very, very streaky. Would rip off five-game winning streaks, followed by dropping eight of their next nine. They would scream forward and you know be five games over 500 at home and then all of a sudden they look like a road team uh they get to the playoffs it's sort of the same deal uh come out firing hard on the ducks win the first two games look great doing it on the road go back home completely get massacred by a backup goalie make him look like a brick wall i think that was our last podcast and i told you i didn't think that they were going to make it out of the first round yeah they go on, advance in seven games, uh, play the longest game in franchise history, which I stayed up and watched. I watched every minute of the playoff series except three games uh, for the Ducks. Um, for the Ducks and Sharks, I should say. And uh, triple overtime game, longest game in franchise history. They win. It was incredible. Uh, they win another overtime game against the Sharks, and it's the series is back at 2-2. Two and two. Whereas they couldn't win at home in the first series, they could only win at home in the second. However, right around game five, game six, I'm starting to talk to my friends, starting to talk to my brother, and I'm just saying, guys, 
if we can just win, it was before game five, I said if we can just win the next two, if we can just get to game six in Nashville, get one last good win in Nashville, I will consider this season a major success. Looking at how far they've come, and you know, you you look at the, the Wilson, uh, Fisher, Neal line, I, I mean, just goal after goal after goal. There was a stretch of three games where no other line for the Nashville Predators scored a goal. And I know you don't know much about hockey. That would be like Tim Duncan and Tony Parker scoring all of the Spurs points for four consecutive quarters. But how it um, used to kind of be. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable to watch. Now it was only uh, Aldridge and, and Leonard, by the way, scoring. So I know I know how it feels. Right. But in hockey, it's even more unfathomable because they're on the ice a lot less. Um, so that was fun to watch. But the Predators do go back, win game six. Uh, in overtime to force Game 7. Um, didn't think my heart was going to be able to take Game 7. They come out in Game 7 and play the worst game they've played all season. That was Not exactly just the what my boys did. It was the worst game they played all season. Patrick, they had seven shots on goal going into the third period. Seven. Most teams aim to get around 21, 22 in that range, shots on goal midway through the third period. So if you do the math, that's seven a period. They had seven over two periods. It was embarrassing. They got outskated and horribly outplayed. Now, like I said, everything after that game six, I told everyone was a bonus, and I still contend to that. And I don't mind getting crushed. I don't. I don't mind losing, and I especially don't mind getting crushed in a game like that, where I think that the better team prevailed. I do think the Sharks were the better team. I think they got hot at the right time, and I think they're really, really good at home. Now, they're not exactly proving that right now, but I think they'll turn that around. So what, is it, Pat, what does the future look like for the Preds, then? That's going uh, into the where do both teams see, that's, go from That's what I mean. Is Now you look at that game seven, and it's like, oh, crap. You know, the, the guys that I thought had it figured out, I mean, Shea Weber is the stalwart for that team. He's the team captain. Uh, and he had two of the worst defensive flubs I've ever seen in his career. Roman Yossi was the same way. And Roman Yossi played pretty terribly in the postseason by his standards. So you look at the Preds now. Today they've already released two players that are pretty predictable. They were, they're pretty huge liabilities. Paul Gostad's just old. He's a great player. He's a great enforcer on the ice. But you just can't really keep him any longer and afford to pay him anymore for what he gives you. Uh, Eric Nystrom's another guy who's... A real good up-and-comer. Um, uh, I'd say he's midway through his career, but uh, playing for Team Sweden right now in the World Cup of Hockey. Um, but just didn't really fit. You, you just look around, he just didn't really fit anywhere. Um, and so you're looking now, Philip Forsberg's probably going to come back. Colin Wilson's probably going to come back. You've got that line. I think all of those guys are going to come back in that line that kept scoring in the postseason. But the Predators, I think, have to make one huge change this offseason huge that is going to make people very very angry and i'm gonna say two names that the predators might look to give up to get huge cash benefits a couple good prospects and a really good player uh i think that it's time for nashville to move on from shea weber uh i'm not really i'm I'm gonna catch a lot of heat from that but hear me out i think he has two good seasons left in him i think his stock is extremely high and I think the Predators could get a lot for getting out, getting rid of him. Uh, I love him to pieces. I don't want to see him go. He's got the hardest shot in hockey. He has, for the last three years of the All-Star game, won the hardest shot contest. I don't want to see him go. But at the same time, if I'm looking at the future of a program, that's kind of the next play. You get rid of one of those big guys so you can pick up a couple of, you know, you, you want to pick up the next Shea Weber, I guess is what I'm saying. So I think either Shea Weber, Pecorine, or James Neal are gone by this time. Well, I, I should say by the beginning of next season. One of those guys, I think, will be gone. And if not, I'm not sure that we're going to see anything different from the Predators next season. So I'll get off them now. I've been talking for a while. It's your turn. Where do the Spurs go from here? Uh, I think what they have coming up is one of the more interesting off seasons in uh, recent memory for a lot of NBA teams. 
I mean, you, you're you looking at... I, I think that this is the year that Duncan and Ginobili both leave. Uh, I really 100% think that Ginobili's gone. He barely came back this year, and I, I think it's about a 75% chance that Duncan's gone. Uh, he just did not show much in the tank in the playoffs. After a pretty good regular season, though, so we'll see. But you're talking about a team that has had... I mean, Tim Duncan was... The guy, he's the reason for the 20 years of dominance, the 20-year dynasty that the teams had. And a little bias coming out of my mouth, but I think they've been the best professional franchise of the last 20 years. They've had the highest winning percentage. They have five titles to show for it, and they have absolutely no off-the-court problems. Squeaky clean record. I mean, that is... And they're a small do. market team. It's as beautiful of a franchise, as, as an unbiased opinion, as beautiful of a franchise that you could even find in sports. So... The guy that's been your identity, number 21's been their identity for the last 20 years. I think he's out. And then you're looking at this is the year that the salary cap's going to explode. So what is the team going to be next year? You don't have Tim Duncan there. You have Kawhi Leonard, who's 24, and you've got LaMarcus Aldridge, who is a top 10 player. you got two top 10 players, uh, probably a top five in Kawhi, by the way. I, I put him at three, uh, four, usually depending on how the team players are playing. Anyway, and then they're going to have some cap space. They need a center that can really hammer, that can really still move well, especially with Duncan gone and can play some defense. I want a center that can play better defense than they can score. And um, they also need a point guard that can defend. Uh, I mean, look at what Russell Westbrook just did to him. So uh, I think a player that they're going to go really hard after is Mike Conley. You know him. The Grizz. Really? Yeah, Mike Conley will be a free agent. He is the best defensive point guard in the league. Um, not offense. He doesn't give you a ton offensively. He can score. But defense, he's, he's right. Then This is a defensive-minded team pretty much from here on out because you got a back-to-back defensive player of the year in Kawhi Leonard. Uh, unheard of to have a guy like that at the wing. Um, and then uh, Al Horford's another option if they don't go after Conley. Al Horford from the um, Hawks is, is another good option. And then... Uh, I think they just played themselves out of the Durant sweepstakes. People were whispering that the Spurs wanted to go in on Kevin Durant. And, yes, I couldn't even imagine marching out Aldridge, Leonard, and Durant, but I don't think he's leaving Oklahoma City, especially not for San Antonio after what he just did to him. It'll just – it's going to be – I don't even really know how to picture it because I've spent the last 15 years or more watching Durant, Ginobili – not Durant, sorry. Parker, Ginobili, Duncan. I mean, that's... It's just hard to imagine those three now walking on the court together. So I don't know what the team's going to look like. This is the question that's always been with this team. What's it going to be like when this run ends? When it's right. over? What are you going to look... I mean, <laughs> luckily, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford, the, the team general manager, is just a genius because they were able to yeah. very slowly. I mean, this is a, this is about as slow of a process as you could have had set up your future while your present is still there. It was insane. So now they've got all Leonard who blossomed into a top five NBA player this year, and Aldridge was the big signing. Those will be your two guys. And just what are you able to build around them, and will they be able to keep that same Spurs mentality? Tim Duncan has been... Up there with Kobe, the most important leaders that any team has had in the NBA. Absolutely. What are they going to do without that leadership? And I, I mean, yeah, the, and the I, players follow, have followed his example since the day David Robinson retired in 2003. He has been the example. What is it going to be like? Are the players going to keep were, behaving themselves? Are the players going to keep – I mean, it's just such a strong system and franchise, especially you're not losing Greg Popovich, but it's just that constant, number 21 and number 20 – and have been there for so long, setting the example, doing it the right way. It's just, it's hard to imagine the team not. Do you think that the purpose for signing LaMarcus Aldridge, the purpose for keeping Kawhi Leonard was to be that next guy, was to be that Tim Duncan who stays 20 plus years? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think that happens much anymore. What ha- Well, the Aldridge signing was, I'll go, I'll, I'll talk about Leonard first. Back in 2012, Leonard was looked at. Uh, they traded up to get him in the lottery. He's the only lottery pick they've had other than Duncan in 20 years. They traded up to get him, and they traded one of Popovich's favorite players he's ever coached in George Hill to go get him. Fans were furious. 
He was a right. he was a wing that couldn't shoot and played pretty good defense, but he had the mentality of a winner. He had the he had the he had the demeanor that the Spurs wanted. He's not a knucklehead and he's just a gym rat. Um, and in 2012. Leonard was a pretty good rookie, and he had some good minutes, and he showed some flashes of being a, a, a maybe a B-level player. And then Popovich said, he's the future of the Spurs. And that was such a big thing. He's our future. And it was right. like, wow, that's okay. They're grooming him, to, and now he's shown that he will be that. He can – I mean, just this – I don't know that I've ever seen a player improve from what he was to what he's become like that and forever what he was supposed right. to be. I mean, he was supposed to just be I just, I, I just Bowen don't, type, and now he is... I just don't see that in the NBA anymore. No, you don't see... A guy just staying. Teams building through the draft, they don't do that. The teams no. still aren't building through the draft, except, uh, I mean, the Thunder did, and the Celtics are trying to. But, um... And then Aldridge was just an opportunity. They never. Spurs had never signed a big free agent before. The biggest one they'd ever signed was probably, you know, they traded for Richard Jefferson. Anyway, they did. It was just an opportunity to get somebody like that, and they took it. And now you've got those two; those are your team, and they're going to keep trying to get younger pieces around them. But then again, when you don't draft, I mean, they haven't drafted in the lottery for thirteen for twenty years. It's kind of hard to build your team through the draft when you haven't yeah. done it in twenty. But you know, they still somehow manage to do it, and it's it's insane. I um, yeah, it is, and I I think we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Um. Yeah, it's 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 just a tough thing. It just is. Um, I I don't like I said. I just don't foresee Kawhi Leonard or Lamarcus Aldridge staying in San Antonio too long. Wait, you don't? Okay, you don't see them staying there? No, that's what I'm saying. Is you don't like not like Tim Duncan? No, no, no. no. Well, they're already. I I don't see Leonard. But that was I, no, I, no, I don't no, no. Think that Leonard was the question the that I posed ever. to you. Was was that supposed to be the next Tim Duncan? Sorry, I didn't understand the question. I don't. And I there's don't just think not Leonard one. The it's, it's just I don't think either of them are. Um, I could see Aldridge playing out his contract and going somewhere else if if he kind of starts to decline as a player. But I I honestly 100% don't think Leonard ever leaves the Spurs unless it's very late in his career and the Spurs are. I mean, I don't know what the future's going to look like 10 years from now, but just the. His demeanor and the system that's there, being a low, he doesn't, he's he is not like Carmelo Anthony. He's not like uh, we're seeing what we're seeing Demar Derozan on the Raptors. He's not like a lot of these players that play out their rookie contract and then just crave the big market. He hates that, all that. Right. He hates it all, and and this he he has a great relationship with the coach that believed in him and, and traded up to get him when everybody thought he was just some marginal talent. It's. It, it, I think the Spurs, even though they're my favorite franchise, they're a unique franchise. The players just want to stay. They don't want to leave. Parker right. at one point, if I don't know how much you know about Tony Parker, but there was a time when he was married to Eva Longoria, and, and, and she I was really pressuring him to, to go to the... Uh, they got wedding band tattoos, which he had to embarrassingly remove. Yeah, because well, that, he that, cheated that was on a messy relationship in the end. But she was really pressuring him to try to move to New York because it would help her career and. He didn't really want to. He liked where he was. It's it's yeah. just I don't think Leonard leaves. I could see Aldridge eventually. You know, he's got a five-year max deal, and he could eventually leave once he's he'll be 36 by the time it's over. Who knows what Who knows what he'll be like by then? That's a good point. Let's move on. Uh, let's get to the NBA playoffs. Let's let's finish this basketball crap. We don't have um, a lot of time on the playoffs. Uh, Warriors. Who wins gonna, it? Warriors are going to win it? it. I think. I agree. I mean, like, how do you pick anyone else? You, oh, the Cavs. They've had so much rest. Well, we, ta- and we talked about awesome, this before but... we started. The, the, there are two reasons you might take the Cavs. One, they've played the best basketball in the playoffs. They haven't played the competition that the West has. But they haven't they've... even played close to it, Patrick. They're playing high school teams. They're playing JV squads out there. Now, stop it. Come on. Please. The Raptors are a good team. Please, no. Psh. No. The Raptors are a fine team. The Raptors are nowhere near the Warriors, Thunder, or no, Spurs. You are correct. You are one hundred. They are miles and miles behind. But here's here's really reason two, and this is the reason that matters. They played in the finals last year, and it went six games. Um, 
there was no Kevin Love and there was no Kyrie Irving, and the team was on its first year together. That is that is something that makes you look and go, these teams met kind of oddly against each other. Uh, LeBron went... Uh, I, I'm still of, of, of the mindset that thinks when LeBron is engaged, he's still the best player in the league. Um, Curry's the best offensive, but best two-way player in the league, the guy that can impact both sides of the court the most is 100% LeBron. Uh, Curry's a better offensive player right now because LeBron, for some reason, can't shoot anymore. But he can do any, he can do whatever he wants. He's, in, yeah. he's, he's unreal. And he almost won the finals MVP last season and lost. That's how good he was last year. He was, yeah. Now he's got Kyrie and Kevin Love back. Um, it will be a it will be a good series if they play each other. Which I know Warriors and Thunder are tied one one, but Warriors I think kind of came back and 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 really reasserted themselves a but, couple hours yeah. ago when they just killed absolutely. the Thunder. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's go to the hockey. Um, You've got. I've, I've got the, the Penguins. I'll, I'll 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 take this one. Uh, playoff hockey. I've told you many many times is all about who gets hot, who gets the hot like, goalie like at the baseball, right time, like baseball. Exactly, and the Penguins have just gotten hot. The Penguins and Lightning, I think, have gotten hot at the right time. I think those that's going to be your Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, or I guess Stanley Cup Finals playoffs, excuse me. But I just, you know, with the way that the front, the first two lines have been moving um, for Pittsburgh and, and just how everything's sort of toned for them throughout this playoffs, I, I just I don't see anyone else beating them. Originally, I said the Capitals. Um, I think the Capitals had the best chance of knocking off the Penguins, and it just didn't happen. So I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Sidney Crosby, give him his ring. Um, his second I, ring. Yeah, right, exactly, his second ring. But I just – I would love to see Tampa Bay do it, and I, I commend Tampa Bay because that's not an easy spot to really build up a hockey town, and they've done a great job with it. They're sort of in a similar boat with Nashville, a little bit more successful boat. Um, but I, I – venture to say that Tampa is a little bit more of a destination city than Nashville. Um, it's not an easy place to build a hockey town, and they're about to make, in my opinion, they're going to make the finals for two years in a row. And even if not, they've made the conference finals two years and they've in a won, row. And they've won with, within recent memory as well. Yes, yes, yeah. Early, uh, uh, well, I guess mid to late 2000s. Yeah, um, it was like, what, seven or eight or nine? Yeah, there. I think it was 2009. Um but, I mean, it's just – it's impressive. It really is. So I'm very impressed with them, but I think the Penguins are going to take it. Their lines have just been playing great. They fought through adversity with their goalie struggles towards the beginning of the playoffs and the end of the regular season. Um, and once you overcome that adversity and you get a head full of steam like that, I just – you know, the overtime winner the other night was just huge. was just huge for them. Um, so I, I've, I've definitely got the Penguins, I think. Um, yeah, I think they're up 2-1 right now. They won tonight as well. Yeah, yeah, they won tonight as well. It, it, you know, and it's it's not a knock on anybody else. It really isn't. Like I said, San Jose is very comparable to Nashville. I'm not going to knock on San Jose. They're playing great hockey. But you just look at teams like Pittsburgh, and you look at teams like Tampa Bay, and they're just a little bit more, you know, head and shoulders. So I think I think the winner of that series, Penguins Lightning, wins the Stanley Cup. All right, so let's go to this uh, this NFL draft kind of recap. It's kind of late for a recap, but we just want to discuss. I want to move kind of quickly through this one and not go into too much. Just you know, a very sh- quickly why we feel the way we do about certain. Because our first question on here is which Bama player goes the farthest? Alabama had a lot of guys drafted. Some of them fell a little bit farther than what we would have liked. Uh, have I done a sound off on that, by the way? I no, because we haven't done one since the draft. All right, I will make. Can't really, I don't know if I've done it. I'm changing my sound off, by the way. I'll remember this one I, I, I got have you. now, and we'll I got do it next you. time. All right. Anyway, I think ahead. the Bama player that goes the farthest is Reggie Ragland. You look at the team he's going to, they're, they're not great. You know, I mean, they're fine. But I think he's going to really step up and have to provide some leadership within his first couple seasons there. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that's in the league for a long time and puts in some really great numbers. I, I kind of would compare him to Roman Harper. Patrick, um, just someone who's a solid, solid player. D'Amico Ryans is another name that comes to mind. I think Reggie Ragland will be in that echelon of guys. Patrick, which Bama player goes the farthest in his career? 
I've got Jaron. I've got Jaron Reed from this draft class. He went to a great team to fit his skill set with the Seattle Seahawks, um, and and he's of the mold of a player that has a really uh, beneficial, really good shelf life in the NFL. A run stuffing defensive guy. Um, if if you're not expected to go out there and get a ton of sacks, like look at um. You know, look at a, a Joey Bosa or DeForest Buckner. They both went in the top ten. They're going to be expected to, when you're drafted that high, they'll be considered a failure if they don't get ten sacks a season or more. Uh, Jared right. Reed's going to be looked at for a completely different role. The team's already got Michael Bennett, and he's very good at what he does, and he's being put in a defense that, one, is very good, and two, is, is suits, suits his skill set. So I think Jaron Reed um, will end up making – Maybe a couple Pro Bowls as, 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 as a nose tackle or something. I think he'll last a long time in the league. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's, I, I think that's a good, a, good, a good choice. Now let's step outside of Alabama. Patrick, who's going to be the biggest bust in the NFL from this year's draft? When I'm looking at bust, I'm either looking at a first-round quarterback or a player that went in the top ten. You know, because once you start getting around the 20s, you're, you're getting a little bit harder. If you're going top ten, you've got to be something amazing. I'm going Joey Bosa. Um, That's a great name. I almost picked Joey Bosa. Tell me why you think he's he going to be a boss. He was the third pick of the draft. He was the surprise pick of the draft, and he's seen as a pass rusher. He's being put in from, and I don't know this for sure, but from what I'm reading, he's being put in a defense that is not something that uh, he seems like he'll excel in. Um, one that doesn't suit. They, everyone thought that if they're going to pick a defensive end, it needed to be Buckner out of Oregon. Um, but Joey Bosa has. Uh, he was he was the runaway top prospect in this class for a while, and he turned into kind of a top ten guy. And I, I've never really bought into him being the next J.J. Watt or him being the next uh, uh, who's who's another guy uh, Houston. Well, Houston's a linebacker, but a guy like that, just the next huge impact defensive player in the league that that is you know making all pros for his first eight seasons. I don't see Joey Bosa being that guy when you I, draft him. It's in just three. I, I, I look back to the Michigan potential. State game. Their most important game of the season. He was silent. He did nothing that game. He didn't do much of anything last year. Um, and he didn't really do much against Alabama in the playoffs. Well, I so remember, I remember having a uh, Blake. Blake's. It was well. That playoff run was what put Bosa on the map. And I do remember a couple plays of him having Blake Sims running for his life that come to mind. I remember the specifically everything the had Blake Sims running for his life. It's true, but. That was one of the games that put him on the map. It was last year that knocked him down a little bit. Um, you have, I guess, your guy here kind of fits my criteria of what I just said qualifies as a bust. I, Paxton Lynch out of Memphis. Like, I just, I never got the hype around the kid. You look at, they played Auburn in the bowl game. Memphis scores 10 points behind this guy's arm. His QBR was 14.7. He was 16 for 37 for 100, 106 yards and a pick. And I just – that Auburn defense was not great. Now, I know they had a, a couple weeks off to prepare, but he just didn't surprise me. He didn't He didn't do anything that really just stood out for me. And I don't get where all this hype came from because he's tall, because he's got a good arm. He's, yeah, he's 6'7". He's harder so for what? me to put there. I, this is my defense of Paxton Lynch. Who Jake I also Coker is 6'6". What's your I don't point? think Lynch is, a, is an NFL quarterback either. And, and, but I, I put him a little bit lower on the bust – totem pole then i put golf going number one the thing that might save paxton lynch and in the nfl it's all about i mean a lot of it's about your skill set but two it's about the environment you're put in and he's being put in a great environment in denver who has a, a, a really really good franchise uh the best defense in the league right now and he's got some great weapons with demarius thomas and and all those guys so if he's thrown out to start this year no i don't think it's going to be pretty um, right, but if no, he can I don't grow into the role. He'll be. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a great player either. I'm with you there. I think that's a good uh, pick. Who will be your biggest surprise from this draft? The guy that we look at after next year's NFL season and say, "Wow, that guy really came out and played hard." Ooh, I didn't know we were talking as early as next year, but I put. I, I have to get out of the first round to go with a surprise. I think a guy that I think is being put in a good opportunity to succeed, and that's Pharaoh Cooper out of South Carolina. I remember what he was back when South Carolina was okay and pretty good, winning some games, not losing or to – who did they lose? The Citadel or something like that? Almost lost to the Citadel, I think, yeah. Um, back when he 
was on a, a decent team, he was dominant. And then he was talked about coming into last year as maybe the top receiver in the SEC. And then he just played on a team that had no heart, no offense, no nothing. And he was actually pretty good on that team, too, with no wind in its sails. So, right. Uh, he went to the Rams. The Rams need receiver help. They have the number one quarterback in the draft. I think the idea of them coming in as rookies, pairing together his skill set, his talents, I think he's better than Tavon Austin as a receiver, at least. Um, I think we could see him being talked about as, as, a, as a surprise out of the third round. I think it was third or fourth round. Right. Uh, the guy that I'm picking, Patrick, is Keanu Neal out of Florida. Um, you and I talked about it a little bit. The reason I'm picking him is because not because I think he's going to grow out and be this star stellar player. But if you're asking me the biggest surprise, I think it's him. And here's why. I don't think he's going to play safety that long. I think he'll be a guy that sort of gets put in a similar situation as Mark Barron, where they try him out at safety. Maybe it doesn't work out. They bulk him up and move him to outside linebacker, and all of a sudden, he's a monster. Um, I could see that happening. I like the way he plays. He plays downhill. Um, I feel like Florida's defense was a little discombobulated towards the beginning of the season, which may have hurt him uh, a little bit. But I like the way the kid plays, and I think he's going to be a huge, huge, uh, a huge factor in the NFL within the next few years. Uh, so I think that's going to be the biggest surprise. The only um, thing there is I think that the team wants him to be the hit their Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor, one of those guys. And, maybe. He's, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a fine player, I suppose. You're not you excited don't like for him. The, you're not, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not huge on him, but maybe it's the Florida bias. I want to move on to this hot take, which I know is going to hurt you. Uh, hot takes because Freddie Gonzalez was on the hot seat. Now he's gone. Should have been gone after the 2013 season. Should have definitely been gone after the 2014 season. 2015, I don't know what the Braves were planning on doing. Now it's finally April, well, I guess it would have been yesterday, April 18th, 2016. Freddie Gonzalez out as the Atlanta Braves manager. Learning via slight change email, by the way. Uh, the only way that I really, actually, I don't care how they tell him. He got Lane Kiffin, and I think it's hilarious. Um, Freddie Gonzalez is a great guy. He's a great players manager which is awesome if you're the Yankees or the Red Sox or a team that wins ever. The Braves have not won in a long time, and I'm tired of it. I'm so glad he's gone. I don't know where the Braves go from here, though, but here's what I will say. I think the Braves hire from within. They maybe promote somebody, get an interim coach, get a guy who knows he's going to be there for the rest of the season, and then get bounced. And then they cash out because think of this. You're coming to an historic franchise with a brand new ballpark with arguably the best farm system in Major League Baseball. And there's no expectations. And there's a ton of money. What manager would not want to take that job? Oh, it's a That's my job. hot take. That's my hot take. You, what do you think? So, so we wrote, where did they go from here? It's funny. I was having this exact conversation with our chief meteorologist at the station uh, yesterday and today, carried into to today, and uh, a couple weeks ago. By the way, this is maybe this is the worst Braves team that's ever been fielded, and it could go down as one of the worst in MLB Two history. and seventeen at home, and the two teams they've beaten have more wins in Turner Field than they do. <laughs> the um, they had a. Uh, until yesterday, they had teams with as many home runs, more home runs, single players that had more home runs as them as a team. They have yes. 12 on the season. There are players right now that have 14. So, yes. um, anyway, so we were looking at this year. The the headline came out that they are now willing to take on bad contracts just to get somebody with a name to put maybe some butts in Cobb County Stadium next year, which is, by the way, terrible place to put that stadium. Awful. Completely agree. Awful. It's I don't I don't know what they're thinking. It's gonna look pretty, but location, 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 people. Um, yep. Then again, in Atlanta, it's not really fair to play that game. The free then agent, the things. free agent class this year, pretty weak. I think the best names are Aldous Chapman. He's up there. You got uh, Josh Reddick, Jonas Cespedes, who I don't think is gonna be leaving. None of these guys want to go to the Braves. There's no young talent that wants to be the centerpiece. I'm not. I'm not going to say none of them. 
Uh, Cespedes has now tasted the World Series. He wants the I, World Series. I don't. I don't think Cespedes. Cespedes was not the name that you just mentioned that I thought of that would be wearing Chapman, an Atlanta Braves uniform. Chapman. It's hard to. It's hard to pry a guy away from the Yankees like that. The Yankees will outbid anybody. For, it's tough. I think it all depends on how Chapman plays this. Hundred five mile an hour fastball guy. I mean, but if the Yankees look down and they're like, "Oh, this guy's actually garbage," he's gone. Because guess what? The Yankees can say that to players. <laughs> hey, we know you're good and teams would kill to have you. You're not good enough to play for the Yankees. You're we not just, good enough to play for the Dodgers. You're not good enough assume, to play for the Red Sox. We have to assume that, A, the Braves are the big spender this season. And then, B, because they're going to a new state, they have to. Remember the Marlins a couple years ago? They were desperate. And they threw a ton of money to move in their new park with Jose Reyes, Mark Burley, and Heath Bell. That didn't work out well at all. Whoops. Um, yeah, they were all gone within a year and a half. You know what's funny is you you were a fan of the team of probably the best front office in professional sports, the Spurs, and the worst front office in professional sports yes, in the Marlins. It is, yes, I will easily tell you that the Jeff Loria of the Marlins is the worst owner in professional American sports. Anyway, so if they're going to be big spenders, the, uh, the bucket's kind of dry on guys that I think they could get. I mean, I know that now – um, another name, but he's old now, is, uh, pa- not Padres, um, he's in the Padres now. What's his name? Come on, help me out. Outfielder. You've lost me. Yeah, five-tool player. He was put on, he was, he's, hold on. You you start talking. He's on my fantasy team. I, 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 I mean, it's just such a crappy situation. It's like, bad. But like I said, like, the Braves have the best farm system in Major League Baseball. It's all very remote. They've got some great players in that system. But, Patrick, I don't really trust the Braves not to trade those players once they get to the majors. Matt Kemp. Because they do it over and over. Oh, gosh, that's a name I had completely forgotten about. He's having a good season, which is now why he's actually up to be available. You know, now they can maybe trade him because he's having a good season. Right. Right. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it's just – it's tough. I, I think the Braves have got to start getting some of these young guys that they've promised fans, oh, this kid's the real deal. Dansby Swanson, man, he's he's the next one. Swanson okay. looks like he'll be. I mean, he's the top pick last year. Sure, he could be good. And, I, and Alex Patrick, Smith is very Patrick, young and exciting. Patrick, and I'm thrilled about that, and I'm excited for the kid. Can't wait for him to get to the majors, play one season, and either get hurt or the Braves decide to sell him. Because that's what this team has taught me they're going to do for the past five years. There has to be some major changes, and I'm glad to see it's finally happening with Freddie Gonzalez. That's all we're going to talk about the Braves because I feel like I'm going to puke. So, sound off. I'll go first because I know you changed yours, so mull over yours for a little bit. Uh, sitting down to watch Netflix some nights, and I want to watch a show and I don't really know what to do. Netflix, here's a suggestion from Patrick Norwood of Pat's Interference. Have a shuffle feature. I want to watch a show. I don't know what episode I want to watch. Just let me throw it on shuffle. You pick an episode for me like it's actual TV. But then I go back to the point of, well, then why don't you just turn on the actual TV? Which I think is a little ironic. But I would really like to see a shuffle feature. Because I don't want to sit there and have to read the description of each episode and decide if I've seen it or not, or if I want to watch it again. It's just, it's too cumbersome. It's too cumbersome. And I know that's such a first world problem to say. But honestly, I couldn't think of a good sound off because my life's pretty good right now. Patrick, what's your sound off? All right, mine's related to the NFL draft, and we alluded to it earlier, but it popped back in my head because I ranted on this on the phone with you maybe two weeks ago. Um, Alabama draft bias. All these dudes fell. They were supposed to be first-rounders, and, and I, I think there's this bias that has been born where everybody – I don't know where it came from. I know a lot of it came from guys like Trent Richardson who um, – you know, busted in the NFL, and AJ McCarron hasn't done anything. These superstars that were in Alabama that have gone and had marginal careers in the NFL, or bad ones in Richardson's case, or it could come from the fact that you want to—I guess when you assume that players had good careers because they were on a good team, you know, you could go, well, you know, Derrick Henry only got all those yards because he was running through those huge holes that Alabama's line built. By the way, Alabama's line was not that good last year, but like, no reason that Reggie Ragland. And Jaron, well, maybe Jaron Reed, but I, I think hold on, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Alabama's line last round. year was great. It just wasn't good compared to Alabama's standards. No, it was good. It was good. Um, but Sorry. We had, Go ahead. It was a it was a good run offense for the most part. 
but let's not forget how often we had to see Jay Coker improvise. Yeah. And th- let's not remember the third quarter of the national championship game. Let's um, completely forget that ever existed. But no, I don't want to forget a second of that game. Anyway, that's there's true. like this bias that's been born that makes these teams so weird. Alabama players are good in the NFL. There have been some that have busted like any team, any team has these guys. There's no reason Ashawn Robinson was a, a late second rounder. Reggie Ragland, the best linebacker last year in, in, in college football, and one of the best defensive linemen. He's had a great three-year career on that team. Why have they fallen to the bottom of the second round, some in the third round? Derrick Henry's a, a joke to most process. You know, people talk about him, and they start talking about how he's some joke. He was dominant last year. Sure, and, and it, that all started when everybody felt like Christian McCaffrey should have you can have your argument there, sure. He had really no reason why he shouldn't know either. But now all of a sudden, Derrick Henry's terrible. Um, I don't know where everybody's saying the Reggie Ragland. His hips are stiff. Who cares? No one. He yeah, plays no, it's, football. We're not. It's this, the this Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays of the world who have decided that since they played Pop Warner football and they watch nothing but college kids play, they know everything about the game of football. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I would guess rather what? have a guy from a team that has come from a standard of winning than a guy that's coming from Central Michigan just because he was the star on Central Michigan. Or North Dakota State just because he's tall, or Memphis just because he's tall. Yeah, uh, well, the, the, I could have a whole sound off on, on quarterbacks and, and the draft and how it's just insane that guys like so them stupid. and Christian Pondry get pushed up into the top ten and teams are trading three first-round draft picks for Jared Goff. It's just... it's. it's you remember how Blaine Gabbert was going to be the next prototypical quarterback in the NFL? I'll go even worse. I'll go Tyler Bray. Wow. Now, that's a name that I had completely forgotten about. Yeah, Mar- Kuyper was, was hyping him up as the top pick of the draft as he was going into his senior year. Uh, Kuyper said he'd quit his job if Jimmy Claus ended up not being a good... But no, it's just like... I think it has been born from the stigma that Alabama players always turn into busts because of a few that have. Um, most of them, by the way, that were using that argument turned it around, and even Trent Richardson's getting his third chance in the NFL because he's very talented. I just like how no one ever brings up the names that have been great. Yeah, Amari Cooper, Eddie Lacy won Rookie of the Year, Julio Jones, C.J. Mosley, Dante Hightower. You look at these guys, and it's like everybody forgot they existed. Rolando McClain's had a career turnaround. D.J. Fluker. Look at these names that we're throwing out that people just, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess he'd play pretty well. Chin no, Eddie Lacy okay, is a Trent good Richardson football player. Out. He had a rough year last year. Eddie Lacy is a great football player. Julio Jones has not had a bad season ever in the history of time. Amari Cooper broke records last year that people didn't think were going to be broken. I, I mean, I just don't understand this. And it, it comes from, like we said, the, the calling cowards of the world that – constantly talk about how Alabama players are busts and you get two guarantees at Alabama, a national championship and a major surgery. And I'm just tired of it. That and you I'm can always ask the question, well, was he really only good because he was playing with a bunch of five stars? That's the other question that you always hear. So that's that's all I got. You know, it's gonna it's just going to be funny when when these guys end up... I'd go back and, and look at some of these picks. I'm going to go back. It's going to be funny when Jaron Reed and... Um, I'm getting close. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, Jaron Reed end up having better careers than Noah Spence out of Eastern Kentucky and uh, or Shaq Lawson out of Clemson. Yeah, you know. I think we should end it there on on Kenny one Clark last out of UCLA. on like one that. last slap in the face to Clemson. Uh, thank everyone so much for listening. We we appreciate it. Uh, this has been Season 2, Episode 6. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. You can find us on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast. We love doing this. We couldn't do this without you. We thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll try to get another episode out next week, if not the week after. Um, you know, It's definitely coming down to a very, very good and interesting sports time uh, with all the golf majors that are coming up so i'll be super busy i know patrick will be busy but uh he is planning a trip to orlando so we may have a show we get to do face to face patrick which would be be nice for three days we will we will we will so 
we hope to talk to you before, but if not, expect an episode around the weekend of the 10th, the 11th, around there. Thank you so much for listening. We really love doing this, and we couldn't do this without you. It's been a dream of ours for so, so long. Patrick, I thank you for being a great co-host. We look forward to talking to you again, and roll tide, everybody.